What's up, you wonderful folks? This is Alex with Swamp Rat Fishing, and tonight we've got bass and brews. Got a great, great guest this episode, um, but I'm so happy you guys are here. This is the podcast where I wanted to give all of our favorite creators, all of our favorite YouTube uh, creators, just a chance to kind of get out there and talk about their crafts. We'll talk about fishing. We'll talk about whatever else, too. Um, if you are a returning listener, you know that it goes off the rails pretty quickly, so it's going to be <laughs> awesome. Uh, before we get started, I want to talk about Hookset Hoodlums. Hookset Hoodlums, they got a new shirt uh, that dropped pretty recently as of this recording. It's a Hookset versus Everybody shirt. Great, great company. Great bunch of dudes who just created this family atmosphere. Uh, they are amazing. Check them out. Hooksethoodlums.com. Use discount code SwampRatFishing, all one word. Save yourself some scratch. Uh, also, DM me on Instagram. I still got stickers for sale. I've got the original logo, I've got the Alt Skull logo, and I've got the Bass and Brews podcast stickers. Uh, today's episode, we've got Jeffrey Holloway, Big Nasty 186 on the show. Nasty, how you doing today? Good, good. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. So for today's show, I've got some uh, new Belgian Voodoo Ranger IPA. Oh, I hope that sounded crispy Ooh, in that mic. Woo. That was that was crispy. That was nice. <laughs> that was All right, nice. brother. T- tell us a little bit about yourself. Where you live? What you do? <laughs> All right. Uh, you know. So, um, I was I was basically I, I was born in uh, Cebu, Philippines, and uh, I was adopted when I was about three years old, and been living in Connecticut uh, ever since. But I, I live in Connecticut on and off because I'm a traveling worker. So, I worked uh, all over from upstate New York, um, down in New Jersey, out in Colorado, Wyoming, and even out of state. Like I was in Japan last year. That's crazy. Uh, working, I'm a a sheet metal fabricator installer, but my most specialty is sheet metal welding for, uh, basically, uh, seamless duck from stainless steel to aluminum. So okay. anything that needs to be uh, that needs to contain moisture or chemicals, um, that's what I specialize in. So hospitals, colleges. Um, stuff like that, you know, uh, military uh, projects, obviously, with, like I said, with me being out in, um, in Masala, Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done stuff for NASA, where they built the fuselages for, for the space shuttle. Uh, I've done places where they do the drones for the military, the big servers for Microsoft out in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and to changing over all steam pipe to hydronic out in Masala for all the... Uh, where they storage all their hangers, where they store all the uh, the new F thirty five A's, the F twenty two Tomcats, wow. and F sixteens and shit like that. So, well, being a traveling guy on that, that really lends well to fishing. Uh, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> how'd you uh, How'd you get into fishing? So, I mean, just I would probably say just almost like every story, you know, when you were a kid growing up, um, you probably went with your father. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow it's like, you know, the dad's always uh, everybody I talked to, their dad's always fished and brought their, you know, their, their them or their brothers and sisters and so on and so forth. But my dad, he he would bring us out fishing to the local pond in Beacon Falls called Matthews Park. Um, and he would like bribe me. He would be like, if you mow the lawn. We will go out fishing and bro, I would be running with the lawnmower and that, and the lawn would look like complete shit. You know? And I'm like, okay, dad, we're done. Let's go fishing. It's done. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I went from 
uh, worm fishing from with a bobber or laying it on the bottom or saying, hey, I think a fish would love to eat this to a bait caster throwing big zero spooks, uh, uh, spinners, uh, spinner baits with the, with the skirts on there. And I would add a trailer onto it. I'd take a rubber worm cut in half and put it as a trailer. Yeah. I would use the uh, double bladed buzz baits, which is one of my favorites besides okay. uh, throwing a jitterbug. Um, and the zero spook is my all time favorite, uh, top water walking the dog. Um, I've done that since I was probably 14 on a, on a Daiwa, uh, a team Daiwa bait caster, mm-hmm. you know, on a, mm-hmm. uh, Uba Garcia, uh, rod, you know, um, yeah. Shimano was always my thing. Um, I was big in the Shadona series. So from their Shadona, uh, 500 all the way up to Shadona, their Shadona, uh, 2500 series. Um, I always love Shimano, um, for some reason. Um, so yeah, so basically that's how I, I got into, you know, fishing and, 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 you know, it was bass fishing because we don't have that many trout ponds here out in Connecticut. It, right. It's more cause you know, it's warm water. It's, uh, you know, it, it, the ponds aren't deep, but as I got older and I discovered that, wow, we actually do have trout lakes and trout ponds the more i was able when, when i was turned 16 i was able to drive around right and, and discover new things and um my biggest thing was going for native brookies because you know it and i know it, the east coast is home of the native wild brook trout so you guys love your brook trout out here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i would do that and uh I would basically use it was called a Silstar Tiny Corny Reel. It's like microscopic. Right. Um, I actually couldn't even buy this line uh at a store. I actually had to order one pound test. I would do a <laughs> I would do a single split shot on a five foot to a four eleven spinning rod, or I would be a basically a custom cork handle on a fly rod, old fly rod tip. Okay. Because it had a real light action. And I would tight line mealworms. Oh wow! And that's how I would catch these uh, wild, you know, brookies in these streams. And then as I get older, I got a little bit better with technique, with with what I wanted to use for bait, and um, so on and so forth. And then uh, my fly fishing experience came out when I was uh, probably about twenty years ago. I started steelhead fishing out in upstate New York, and like I told Wild Bill and the guys of Hook Sets when I first started. Uh, a fly rod gives you more opportunities. And, and, and in my eyes, it gives me more opportunities because it let, allows me to keep my flies or bait in the water a lot longer. I'm not casting and retrieving all the time. Basically, it's, it's a, uh, a, cast, a roll cast, let it drift. And then with the fly rod being 10 foot, 9 foot, 11 foot or whatever, mm-hmm. I can just roll cast it right back in the same position, do my drift. And I can probably out drift a spinning rod guy uh, two or three times more. And um, I think just think it gives me more hookups. So the guy that was actually out in upstate New York, where I used to stay at his cabins, he also guided the Housatonic River in Connecticut, which would break up his scenery of water. You know, mm-hmm. he's not seeing the Salmon River all year round. He's able right. to, you know, so he would. Uh, he invited me out, me and my buddy. He's like, listen, I'll drift you guys out for free if you want to go. And I said, he goes, I got an open day. I said, oh, yeah. So the day we went, um, we weren't catching anything. 
And I watched him. He he parked the drift boat and he said, hold on, let me go scout out. So he gets out of the boat. Me and my buddy are sitting there, not catching anything. It's like one o'clock in the afternoon. He's walking the edge of the river and I see him. He goes, oh, I got one. Went again. Oh, I got one. Oh, I got another one. He comes back. He goes, figured it out. And I said, well, what's that? He goes, we are going to fish the edges of the river on all the shadow lines from the trees. He goes, all those fish are staying out of the sun and they are being hidden literally in eight inches of water. That's insane. And I'm like, dude, who would have thought? And he goes, and also think about it. Dude, what's falling off the trees? Beetles, ants. So they're getting plenty of food. Right, no reason to move. You know, yeah, uh, spiders or whatever. And, dude, we hammered it, bro. (laughs) We freaking hammered it. And I said, this is freaking amazing. I caught my biggest trout at that time that I actually was trying to target. I caught uh, around a 17-inch rainbow trout. And as the evening went on, um, we drifted into a place that I call in the Housatonic, the land of the giants. Um, it's right before uh, the boat ramp where people come out when they kayak or when they uh, do drift boat trips. And, uh, bro, I saw a hatch. I, I, the bugs that were coming out of the water and all over my body. Mm-hmm. Bro, I couldn't, even if I casted and had my fly line behind me, I hooked up on a fish like, oh, oh my God, there was one like, <laughs> they, were just... they were just that hungry. Dude, it was amazing. And then I just totally fell in shoulders deep, bro. And I'm like, I'm going to catch all these fish. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to, I'm going to like, that's it. I'm going to be submerged into fly fishing. And that's how it really, you know, how it really began for me. And I just went in head first and, and look at me today, you know? Yeah. I was about to say, um, if folks have listened to this before, um, we have not been the nicest to fly fishermen on this podcast, <laughs> um, but you are not a douchebag, so it's amazing. Like, a, uh, um, I, I, I find it, it's interesting how you say it, because definitely me as a bass fisherman, but, but I grew up fly fishing in Washington State. That was my jam when I was a kid. Okay. Um, but then moving into bass, it's almost like the same mind frame, just a little, you know, I mean, it's just a different attitude one's more elitist and douchey your fly fisherman <laughs> bro and the other one <laughs> yeah i mean listen all right uh it, <laughs> so fly fishermen are ale drinkers and bass fishermen are bush light drinkers bro i, I mean i mean that's, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good you know what i mean it's like uh, a bass fisherman has a champagne taste on a budweiser budget uh compared to uh and and, and, and it's kind of funny because that's how it is when I went out west, bro. Yeah. Like, these people were like, oh, we, you know, uh, fly rod, you know, spinning rods are made for five-year-olders, five-year-olds and, and, and grandparents, you know? It's like, what the fuck? Like, dude. And the, how big the sport grew up to. And it's kind of funny because I just had somebody, I just read somebody's story today that said, uh, could, if you fly fish, could you please stop playing rap music on your stories? Like, <laughs> And then here I am putting NWA, yeah, you know, on my shit. And I'm like, yo, how is this guy even following me? Like, because the stuff that I put on you, you know, he must despise, you know. But um, it's a new generation, dude, a new generation of people, how fly fishing has blown up. And it's going to be like that uh, for more years to, to, to come on. And I think um, the ideas of the newer generation – um, in their thoughts of, of the process of how they catch fish, 
I think is really blowing away the old school guys. I think, you know, I, I think in your guys' niche, you have to be careful because there is definitely a lot of like bass fishing is definitely there. You know, you definitely have your old guard and your, your, your newer guard coming in and there's some clashes, but it seems like they're a little bit on pace. Um, and I'm not super into the fly fishing world, but I dabble um, and, and kind of looking at it. And I see a lot of that old guard is like, you got to be careful. They're going to push the new kids out basically because they are so, so stalwart. with just staying exactly in that lane that's worked for however many years instead of embracing the new ideas, putting a new spin on it, making it fun. Like it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't always have to be this like coming to Jesus moment in the outdoors where man yeah. battles beast, right? You can have fun with it. This is supposed uh, to be a hobby. Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I have friends that, uh, we were just, I was just talking to my buddy tonight about it because uh, I just got invited again to fish up in, out in Pennsylvania at the Yellow uh, Creek Trout Club um, for the second time. And I watch him put a PW, which is a pink worm from Berkeley, mm-hmm. on a trout magnet jig on a fly rod. All right. So just think of how many people would cringe. Yeah, that's a, that's a little different. That, knowing that's what he did. To, mm-hmm. ca- to catch that 28-inch donkey brown trout. Right, that's huge. But to me, that's being innovative. That's, right. that's that's stepping it up to knowing that, okay, I'm not here just to fly fish. I'm here to try whatever it takes to catch my personal best, or it's either versus quality or quantity. Mm-hmm. Because I'll tell you right now, the PW – Berkeley, the 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 pink worm from Berkeley, fucking crushes. Really, uh, and I tell people all the time because people see me, they're like, "Oh, oh, Jeff, I saw you fishing that pond, and, and you were slamming the fish. Like, what do you use?" I said, "Stockers. I use uh, Berkeley mousies. It's okay. that. It's that. Look, looks like a round ball. It's mm-hmm. a white, white with a pink tail. Yep. They call it mouse tails. Yep. Or I use the pink head." ball with the white tail gotcha and i said you could fish it with a weight up against the eyelet you could fish it with the weight 10 inches above it you can also fish it with no weight at all and keep it suspended three inches below the top of the water surface all depending wherever the trout are in the water level you could do every technique and you will catch fish um you could jig it you could just slow retrieve it you could you know twitch it um but I believe I'm an angler before okay. I say I'm a fly fisherman because I will whip out a bait caster. I'll whip out the spinning rod. I'll whip out the fly rod. I will do whatever it takes for if my mindset is I'm going out fishing and I want to catch a, say, numbers or I want to catch uh, a big one or mm-hmm. I know where they're holding, I will do whatever it takes, you know, and I don't shy on anybody. I mean, dude, you saw, dude, I was I was whipping a bait caster with, with freaking Lockwood. I was about to Maryland. say. Folks, if you haven't seen it, um, this episode's going to come out after the Lockwood. That crazy man who broke down some jig secrets for us, uh, (laughs) Nasty went out with him. And, uh, like, how much jig experience did you have before you went out with him? So, um, I don't know if he told you, but I'm going back out there. Are you really? That's awesome. I'm I'm going out there on the 24th of this month um, for three days, uh, three or four days. 
Um, just because a, I, I, I want to catch bass because like I said, I think I'm an angler, mm-hmm. but I also want to spend time with, with Cody. Cause he's such yeah. a great guy. He became a real good friend of mine. We that, talk almost every day. Dude, you um, guys, you could tell in the little snippets you guys put up, like, it was like, oh, shit, it's peanut butter and jelly. Like, all of a sudden, like, these two dudes. And my understanding is you guys chit-chatted a little bit, but not, like, no, a ton. No, and then it exactly. met, and I don't know, like, the content that I was seeing you guys put out, it was like, oh, these dudes have been fishing for, you know, t- together for years and years. Nope. And come to find out that was, like, the first time meeting in that's, real life. Th- yep. Yeah, and it was, that's and it was, insane. And, and and we met all because of Hookset Hoodlums. Like Hookset. When I saw him pull, believe me, a uh, a four pound bass gets me my juices flowing, dude. Just <laughs> as much as a twenty inch brown trout, dude. dude. And um, I can tell because in Lockwood's video, my favorite. I think it's got him. No, no, no. It's you recording it. He hooks into that big one, right? And you're like, bro, it's a ten pounder. It's a ten pounder, and you can hear Cody like, no, it's like a four. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah, dude, I'll, I'll whip out like ridiculous numbers, dude. And, and and just because that's also too it not like me being excited, but my knowledge in seeing bass, like I like I don't know because right. I haven't fished for bass in such a long time. Now, if you talk to me when I was in my early teens. I probably would have been like, yo, that's a four pounder or right. a five pounder, you know? Yeah. But here I am. I'm like, oh my God, it's a 10 pounder. It's a whole know? different animal compared to yeah, a trout. You know? They're built different. They're, they're, I mean, they're just, they're, they're totally it's, completely, they're a fish, but they are completely not even close on the spectrum. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and it's funny because everybody's like, oh my God. Cause when we went there, I mean, even uh, Bobby Rose Beef, he's like, tell me the numbers, tell me the sizes, tell me the yeah. weights. And I said, Bobby, I said, honestly, even in my trout game, I really don't measure fish, dude. All right. I know is that shit is big. Right. And 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 you know how it is. Pictures and videos sometimes don't even do the fish justice. Right. But when you have it in your hands and you could see that you could fit your fist mm-hmm. in in that bucket mouth, you know that bitch is big. That's you know like that's the thing. It's huge. I caught uh my PB in May, right? Like I busted mm-hmm. my PB almost one ounce off of seven pounds. For I bat, saw, dude. Right? I saw, dude. That fish was fucking huge. Dude, bro, congr- fish. Congratulations on that. One. Thank you, brother. But awesome. I didn't take any measurements. I yeah. weighed them. That's yeah, it, yeah. right? But I didn't get any weight or I didn't get any measurements or girth. And yeah. uh, a couple people uh, were like, "Oh man, you should have got that." This and that. I was like, "I like I got pictures of it. It's great. I got video of it, and I held that son of a bitch in my hands. Like I know how big that was. I'm not oh, doing yeah. this." For, for the clout to anybody else. I know that yeah, was a big-ass fish. Yeah, you know, and, and you know how it is. Like, oh, man, you know, if you didn't weigh, there's no way it was that, you know. Or, or Honestly, if you didn't weigh that fish, dude, I would have been like, yo, that thing's seven, seven pounds. Right. Almost eight pounds in my eyes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the other bass fishermen, we'll probably know, and they'll be probably off by half a pound because they see it all the time. Right. You know, um. But dude, that fish was a freak. Oh, that I, was that was a banger, bro. Dude, was I was just going over photos. I do this thing on Instagram on the guide section where I put like my top five posts of the previous month. It yeah. was so good to see that one pop up. I was like, oh, it's almost like I forgot about it. I ran through the GoPro footage to go watch it again. Like, I that is yeah, the fish of a lifetime for me. Like, I I mean, I live in South Jersey. Um, after I retire from the military, I plan on staying in South Jersey. Okay. They don't, they don't get much bigger than that. Like that is a, that's a like six, like a six pounder. My previous PB was six pounds, two ounces. Okay. And I had dudes here were like, Oh dude, you could totally mount that thing. Like you're never going to get bigger than that. Like they yeah. don't get that much bigger. 
and a lot of it's the water that I'm fishing. It's super skinny. It's it's yep. dirty pond, usually giant pickerel infested water that these bass <laughs> have to compete with. It's I insane. Have, I have a buddy that that's down in Jersey that wants me to come down and fish, and uh, you know I always make fun of Jersey. Everybody's like, I'm like, how <laughs> how's how's the brown trout fishing? You know, I or or somebody will post up they caught a carp. Yeah, and I'll be like, "Oh man, you caught a banger of a New Jersey brown trout!" Like, yeah, what? exactly. Because like, I'm like, "You caught a New Jersey brown trout," and you're like, "You're an idiot," <laughs> you know? I'm like, it's such but, a um, weird place, especially like North Jersey. They've got some good trout waters. They've got some good yeah. natural stuff. I'm in the South, so okay. it's dirty sand pits. It's dirty swamps. Yeah, uh, cranberry bogs, and then salt water is actually king down here. Like striper, mm-hmm. fluke, blues. Those are I mean, you ask somebody like, oh, yeah, I fish for bass. They instantly think striped bass down here. They they don't give largemouth a lot of credit down here. And even yeah. where I'm at, where, like, I'm out in the woods, these pineys, uh, that's what we call our, our local uh, woodsy people, pineys. Um, mm-hmm. But they uh, they want pickerel. They want, like, big gator pickerel before okay. they're even looking at bass. It's really weird. Now, you guys got no, you guys got pike down there? Nope. No? Just big nope. pick, just big. So, so we have pickerel. chain pickerel. So my PB chain pickerel is around five and a half pounds. Oh. He came out to a little over 30 inches. He was huge. Wow. Like, like, I mean, huge. We also have redfin. Those are really small pickerels, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but pickerel, yeah, with no pike. So, and they're like the main predator down here, bro. If you ever come up up my way, uh, I'll get you out. Uh, we just this winter on ice fishing, we just broke, finally broke the forty inch mark on on a northern wow. pike. And um, what's the difference? Have you caught a chain pickerel? Like, do you know? Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah. Is we, the fight it, the same? It's just the size that's different. It's it's it, it's it is the size because you'll go from pickerel pike to musky. Right. Um, the way you could tell about the difference is their pattern design. Right, right, right. So, but, but, you know, the fight, but, but the, the fight, fight similar. Um, I would say so. It's yeah. just bigger. Yeah. You know, it's just bigger. I mean, obviously, when you go for a northern, you know, you can get up into that uh, that thirty to forty inch range. That's insane. You know, where mm-hmm. pickerel are only going to get up to you know a, a certain size and their weight depending on what they're eating, mm-hmm. you know, for them to put on weight. And then you got just muskies, a whole del- totally different beast. You're going into the 60 inch range, you know, the 58. Uh, you know, we do have those here, but we, so we have the tiger muskies. They yes. stock, they stock this old, it's on, uh, it's in Gloucester County by right across the Delaware river from Philly, which I'm only about 45 minutes away from. Okay. And they stocked in an old DOD facility they basically dug out all these holes, like mm-hmm. bullshit New Jersey ingenuity. They dug out all these holes. They keep it at like six to eight feet, and then they stock that thing with tiger musky. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, so it's got bass and tiger musky and then a shit ton of bluegills for the forage for both of them. Yeah. And it's supposed to be insane. So a lot of a lot of reasons why they will stock. Like out in Colorado, they made a big mistake and, and put tiger musky. And a tiger musky, um, well, no, I'm sorry. They made a mistake and put pike because pike breed. Mm-hmm. So the pike, they actually have a bounty on them. Um, some of the, I know like Green Mountain Reservoir, they give you like $10 or $15 right. per pike. Um, so then they're like, well, you know what? Let's put tiger musky in there because we know they won't breed, but they'll eat the pike. They'll eat um, so basically, yeah. So basically it's for for fish control like uh, a lot of the places have so much grayling that mm-hmm. just said if we put on, they only put in this one big lake like 10 
Mm -hmm. That's all you need. And those 10 fish will control that population down. Um, Because people don't realize a pike or a muskie can eat literally a fish that's half its size. Oh, yeah. In one feeding. So monsters. Yeah, they're they're big, they're they're savage, savage beast. So, um, yeah. But if you ever come up here, dude, yeah, we, we have we have good uh, good walleye, we have good pike. Never caught we a walleye. Never caught a paul um, or a uh, pike either. Yep, I caught my first walleye on the fly this uh, a couple. Oh hell yeah! Months ago, hell uh, yeah! And 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 I ate it, and it tastes delicious. Oh, I mean, um, everybody loves those. I'm a crappy guy, but I've never had walleye, so I can't really like. Everybody says they're better than crappie. So yeah, I mean. Any panfish is really good, dude. Yeah. Sunfish are my favorite. Like, is mm-hmm. is like literally my favorite uh fish to eat. You know, um, they just taste so damn good. And and it, and, and 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 every every lake is plentiful. Every oh yeah, ton is, has tons of them. So oh yeah, you know, you taking ten of them is isn't going to affect it at all. You know, right? Oh but, yeah, um, I mean yeah. So speaking of eating fish, so so what I want to try to do, um. Just, uh, I guess, on my side. So we're talking about big, gnarly predators. Yeah. So we've had, like, an explosion, but, like, a very controversial, healthy explosion of snakehead Ooh, in South Jersey. Really, dude? So. You got to get rid of those fuckers. No, dude. New Jersey Fish and Wildlife came out and just said they are not affecting the bass population at all. Oh, really? So because the Delaware River, so mostly they're on the Delaware River and the tributaries that are coming off of it. It's got okay. everything else in there. It's got. It's got giant uh, shad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got tons of other food sources that it is not a competing fish. So it's not a competing with the bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, dudes good. are pulling out like giant fucking snakehead, and they're catching them year around on hollow-bodied frogs. Dude, that's fucking awesome, dude. Right, and so I follow this one guy, and he's getting them in a kayak. He's driving this kayak, and all this bullshit up in there. <laughs> And when he's casting out, there's like snakehead after snakehead, like multiples blowing up this frog wow. to where it's almost like a keep away game as the frog is bouncing as they're jumping out at it. And, dude, and it was you, fucking crazy. Dude, and you know, and I and I know it. I don't care if you're a fly fisherman, spin fisherman, bait cast fisherman. That freaking top water blow up oh, is what so it, good. It, it is basically the drug that we're looking for. Like, so that's, good. I mean, uh, just <laughs> when I go fishing and, and and I caught one of my biggest brown trout on a size 12 white wolf dry fly. Basically, um, to the people that don't know what a white wolf dry fly is, just picture a cotton ball with a fucking hook on it. Because okay. that's what it, cause, cause it was all white and it's, and it's coming down the river all white. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you just see this mouth, this, oh. this brown trout with the head of like a 10 inch long head come up slowly out of the Like it was in a movie, dude. Mm-hmm. And it just grabbed it and turned. And as soon as that head went down underwater... I set the hook, dude, and the thing didn't even fucking move. Oh, just like, you, and oh, like, you know oh. you're on a big one. Yeah, so I'm on a total tank, right? This fucking brown trout just dogs me to the bottom of the river. The train goes by on the train track, so that guy sees me with a with, with my rod up, and now he's blowing <laughs> the train horn, and yes, I'm like, yes, yes, baby! I'm waiting shoulders deep, dude, straight off like the river runs through it, dude. I'm like, this is fucking great! <laughs> you know, and, and then I was blessed enough to land it, and um, I mean, that top water eat, dude, and, and that's why I love throwing the Zero Spook, the mm-hmm. uh, buzz bait, double-bladed buzz bait, jitterbugs. Yeah. Um, even I like throwing uh rubber worms with no weight just because it's right below the surface 
and it's given that that total natural movement. And um, I tell people all the time, I don't know if you ever try this trick, but this old man taught me this. And I'll tell you right now, the percentages of you catching that fish that you're targeting is probably 85%, if not higher. Mm-hmm. So what I do is uh, when I'm looking for ambush points, and as I was talking to like Wild Bill and the guys from Hookset, I said, what I do is I try to find like lily pads, grass patterns, drop-offs, okay? And what I do is I rip like a buzz bait or a weedless, uh, something weedless or whatever, and I fucking just crank it over the lily pads. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then you get that reaction bite, that mm-hmm. snap. And then yep. after that, I grab my spinning rod and I throw a worm and I finesse. Yep. And I guarantee you, 85 plus percent of the time, you're going to get that fish. Yep. And an old man taught me that. And I use it to this day. I preach about it because yeah. it works. It yeah. works, especially if it comes off the lily pads and you get that blow up. But even if you throw it um, on the lily pads and then you can get into the area where that worm just sinks a little bit and you can give mm-hmm. it a, or, or that tail's dangling off that pad, mm-hmm. bro. Oh, it's, Bro, it's just it's just a waiting it's game. Money. You're just like, uh, uh, see, I usually uh, you know, do like uh, a a three pronged approach. I'll do a frog on top, okay, and then because it's me, um, and I talk about them all the time, I'll run a swim jig, okay, but I'll run a swim jig two ways. I'll cast it out there and burn it across the top, okay, as it's just pushing its way through, and then the next cast, I'll let it sink about half the distance. I'll count two seconds, let that thing push its way through the reeds, and then I start picking the holes. Because usually, if the frog don't get them and the swim jigs don't, they're still going to be aggravated that something was in their home, something was invading, and they're yeah. all on high alert. And that's when I'll drop that worm right into those pockets. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. And and my favorite way to fish is, uh, especially when I'm bass fishing, is I, I, I always consider myself a, a finesse guy. Mm-hmm. So I was always in the plastics. For yeah. some reason, I have my faith in a plastic before a crankbait or uh you know even a spinner bait you know that mm-hmm. big will big willow leaf spinner bait with a worm trailer or, or whatever or whatnot um i've just for some reason that lo- more life like action right where you know just for me triggers the fish um my favorite setup is the carolina rig okay so what i do is uh, I'll use a regular, uh, say size O2 offset hook, mm-hmm. um, you know, hook my worm up to that way. Mm-hmm. Then I'll go, uh, probably I would say I go pretty good distance, dude. I'd probably say almost 20 plus inches. Oh shit. And what I do is I do a barrel sw- depending on, on where I'm going. So I would say I wouldn't go less than 16 inches. Um, but I'll probably be in that between 16 and 20 inch range. Mm-hmm. And then what I do is I go with a, with a, with a barrel swivel. I go to a bead and then a barrel weight and then, okay. I, and, and the bead helps prevent the weight digging into the swivel. Right. Protecting the but knot. I also think in my mind, I don't know if this is true because you're, you're a bass fisherman. You would mm-hmm. know. I believe that color of bead also is a trigger. Like it could be, you know, are you using red? Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's the color, but also I think especially with a Carolina rig, um, I I don't know if you ever heard of the Mojo rig. It's basically just like a downsized version, right? So no. it's a spinning rod setup, right? So instead mm-hmm. of having the big distances, you're doing smaller, but it's the same idea where your yeah. weight digs in. But even that one, I'll leave the weight free flowing. Okay. Um, 
and, and keep that bead in there, right? Because I think yep. that when the bead, the color of it, right, flashing through, coming down quickly, draws their attention. And yeah. then that sound, that clacking of either the weight or the barrel swivel hitting that bead, I think alerts them even more yeah. of like, hey, something's over here. It just draws their attention to then let your soft plastic presentation yeah. float by. Because, because even our flies that we use, we use what, what they say, oh, it's a hot spotted, you know, uh, you know, uh, hot spot orange, you know, neon, right. you know, uh, painted, uh, you know, bead head. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to use pheasant tails with the hot spot bead head because I, I feel that it, it just helps trigger the fish. Now, a lot of people say that the bead also imitates like a water bubble, like a bubble. I can see so, that. So, um, you know, some, you know, I, I guess everybody has their beliefs of yeah. what it's trying to imitate, but, um, I like to use a lot of uh, uh, leech patterns. So okay. even if I'm targeting uh, bass with a fly rod, mm-hmm. I like to use uh, egg sucking leeches. So basically, it's a willy bugger with a hot spot. Um, it looks like a leech sucking an egg. So the neon green, the orange, the red um, is like my favorite. And plus, uh, I use it for steelhead fishing. It really triggers mm-hmm. the steelhead and the big rainbows. I remember as a kid um, doing steelheads using big, bright, like, yep. uh, but then also mixed with a dark imitator. That was like my yeah. grandfather's go-to, like mixing those two. And I think there's something to that. I think a lot of bass fishermen can maybe. Hey, this is Alex with Bass and Brews. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So easy, Paul can do it. I don't know if I want to say this on a recorded thing. Maybe learn something from Fly Fisherman. And that uh, imitating, I think it's important to imitate. And I think there's two schools of thought, right? Your, your power and your finesse fishermen, right? Yeah. But I think one of them takes way more faith than the other one. So I think power fishing takes way more faith. You're throwing a spinner bait, right? Which is yeah. a giant metal contraption mm-hmm. that doesn't look like anything. And yes, you're having faith that as you're moving through that water, that you're thumping, that you're hitting that bass's lateral line, that you're yeah, triggering that, them. that vibration. Yeah, right, that but also when you look at that thing, as a fisherman, it's a giant hunk of fucking metal. Bro. Right, it's, like it's, I can't take that bait seriously. And, and I, I mean, people have caught in spinner, you know, spinner bait fish forever. I've thrown them a lot, and I haven't been bass fishing in a long time. I've never caught one spinner bait fish in my entire life. And I think most of it's because I have zero confidence in it. Bro, when when me and Lockwood, when you know, like I said, I never met Lockwood until mm-hmm. I, you know, I talked to him, you know, DMing and whatever. Mm-hmm. Really didn't talk to him on the phone and, and literally talked to him like when I pulled up into his driveway. Right. And when we went fishing the next day, bro, he gave me this fucking bait, bro. It looked like the size of a freaking lobster. <laughs> and and I'm just like, okay, he wants me not to catch anything today. Right. So, but I didn't realize. That okay, was the so, finesse version. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. like, this thing is huge. And he's like, listen, he goes, this place is loaded with uh, bluegill and it's mm-hmm. loaded with monster crayfish. Mm-hmm. So 
I didn't know that probably the reason why I was catching so many. I don't know if, if you saw. I basically used one one jig and one jig only. Yeah. Like literally the whole time. Yep. It was a beast coast. Um it was a beast coast like blue skirted and brown jig with a molten crawl trailer. Yep. So I didn't realize that the crawfish go through stages. So you have it, it looks black mm-hmm. and kind of brown. And then mm-hmm. it goes into the red stage where it's, yep. you know, it looks like a lobster that was yep. cooked. Yep. And then it goes into a molten stage where the shell is softer and the mm. bass target the molten stage because they can eat it a lot easier, better. Easier for them to eat. And believe it or not, I'm like, holy shit, because, dude, I told him, I'm like, bro, the brown trout, the trout do the same thing. He goes, trout eat that? I said, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. I said, and I noticed every time when they do eat it, it's in that blue. It looks blue because on the side of the shore, you'll see blue lobster, blue crayfish claws gotcha. everywhere. Yeah. And I'm like, son of a bitch. I said, I did not know that. And, bro, I hammered. Like like I said, me and him didn't count numbers or we didn't weigh mm-hmm. fish until that one time. He's like, oh, shit. He's like, nasty. We didn't weigh any fish. Let's weigh, <laughs> you know, or we didn't measure any fish. And we measured it with that one that was 20 inches. Right. Um, and then he caught one that I know was way bigger than that on that six-inch fucking articulated rat. You know? Right. And, and I told him, I said, dude, I throw mouse patterns for trout. And he's like, what? So it was kind of funny how we were both going into each other's worlds mm-hmm. where – we weren't using anything that much different, but maybe the size and the he- how heavy it was. Maybe the you know? size. I, I think the rat, too, is, is a special one. I, I take super offense with the name Swap Rat Fishing that anybody would use a rat as an imitator. It makes it triggers me as a person. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I think that one's different. So because I've seen that trout one, that's uh, usually made with like hair, right? Yes, like, yes. That's a, like, like an elk So there's hair. no sound to it. Yeah, but what it is doing the rat, the bass one is loud. That thing echoes. That thing is hammering their ladder. Well, what what it what it's doing is, and and you can you can tell me if I'm wrong. The time when it makes a lot of noise is when it hits the water. Okay, because you got this heavy weighted thing when mm-hmm. it hits the water. Mm-hmm. But what they're both doing, whether mm-hmm. it's a which is a mouse, because mm-hmm. um, at night you fi- we fish mouse or big streamers, articulated like six inch streamers. Yep. For these big, uh, and then we put big weights on them, uh, you know, above it to really get them down, depending how deep or how fast the water's going. Um, it's about displacing water. It is about displacing. So yep. it's the same, basically the same um, thing that you're trying to do. And with the rat that he used, the way it goes in the water, the water that it was displacing off the front of it mm-hmm. is is the way that a mouse is made for a fly. And how they caught the angle is basically mm-hmm. like a like the uh, the front flip. What is it called? Oh, you're, you're talking about the lip on the, the front. Of yeah, it. yeah, the lip on the front. Yeah. Um, that's what they're they're making when they when they that's shape insane. the head. They're making the head shape so it displaces water out the sides of the bait. That's crazy. So very that's, similar bait, but yeah, two different worlds. Downsize, you're yeah. right, and that's what's triggering the fish. Because remember, at night, what does the fish see? Especially on a moonlit night, right. it's seeing profile. Yep, and it's seeing the wake that it's making. Right, and people don't realize. I don't know if bass do the same thing because bass have a monster mouth that they can inhale it on the first time. Dude, yeah. trout actually stun it first, right. so they will hit it and they will try to disorient it, and then. 
as they hit it and, and you're like, okay, you got to keep on doing what you're doing because probably four seconds later, it's finally going to grab it. Yeah. You know? so, so, so bass kind of do that, but they're, they're definitely a different biter, right? Cause you're trying yeah. to have that smaller mouth. They're a little more. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. They try to stun them out. Bass are just going to try to inhale it. And for the most part, they're fucking lazy too. Yeah. So they're just going to sit in that one spot. So I've noticed like you can, you know, cast a spot comes out, misses it. Yeah, yeah. Throw the soft worm in, see if he's close. If he's not, give it like five minutes, and they're <laughs> yeah. lazy. They're going to go back to that yeah. spot because those are usually like where your big bass are. Me and Lockwood were talking about this. Where your big bass are are almost your most obvious ambush points. Yes. And they're obvious because they're productive. And mm-hmm. your bigger fish is going to muscle everything else out of the way yep. so it can sit in that spot because it's lazy. Those bass that you catch that are out roaming and scooting, usually for the most part, those are going to be your smaller ones. Your big ones, they're going to move a little bit for the most part. They're going to sit in those high percentage ambush spots because that's where they can get food. That's how they get so big. Yeah, and they also pushed away the smaller ones. Right, exactly. They're they're fucking bullies, bro. And and trout are the same way. I mean, I can show you videos of trout chasing little or trout right out of their spot. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, this is my home, you know? Like, what are you doing? You know? Or when it comes to mating time, the the way they compete for a mate is it, you know they bite their tails they bite their heads they bite mm-hmm. you know what i mean they they're they're aggressive you know they're they don't have you know people don't realize these wild bigger fish they have fucking big teeth man yeah on the yeah i was about to say because i you remember know? as a kid uh cutthroat and steelhead fishing as a kid we caught some bigger ones and uh they cut the shit out of me when i was a kid <laughs> like they were they cut the shit out of me and I was like, all the little ones, you know, like the little uh, rainbows that we'd get that we would like keep, we, we yeah. would lip them for pictures, you know what I mean? But, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I try to do that to a big one because my grandfather's like, no, no, we're going to keep that one. And I just slice my whole hand up. <laughs> he set me up for failure big time. All old right. So br- you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you fished all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, other than trout and bass, favorite species to target? Besides, besides, uh, Be, besides your tran, your your standard trout, your brook rainbow mm-hmm. and uh, brown, and small or largemouth bass, carp on the fly, carp on the fly. You know that seems to be. I don't know if I fell in a hole, but I feel like I see a lot of that on social media now. A lot of folks doing this it's, carp on the fly thing. So it's it's getting pretty popular. Um. But what people don't realize, it's not easy. Right. You, you want to talk about a fish that has the, the, the brain of the size of a pea, mm-hmm. not realizing how big it is. Mm-hmm. How, they're super spooky. Like right. these fish can feel the vibration in the ground when you're walking and they will spook 40 feet before you even get near it. Yeah. But you can fool it when it's actually, they call it mudding. Mm-hmm. When it's feeding and it's creating that mud dust around it, okay. that's when it that's when you kind of could sneak up on it, get your cast in, drag drag your carp bait or whatever you got, your carp fly. Because a lot of people are like, dude, that thing has no scent. Why is it eating it? A, it's I said it's visual. And B, uh these fish have they can feel vibration better than I think any any fish out there. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the right spot at the right time. And you cast that. What I like to do is I like to cast the bait probably uh, four feet 
past the fish where I actually drag him into his feeding line. Mm-hmm. So where I see him mudding around and he's constantly going, say, forward uh, a couple of inches as it's feeding, as he's doing that, I'm stripping in super slow, bro. Because I don't want to even have it touch my line. Because right. if it touches my line, it's like, boom, I'm out, you know? So I pull it in really slow. And then when I think my bait is near it, I leave it. And then if he doesn't touch it, I will move it an inch and closer, an right. inch closer. And then you'll see your line move. And when, as soon as you've seen that line move, Bro, you put a ham, you put a fucking ham bone hook set on that some bitch as hard as you could, dude, to sink that thing right into his big old freaking floppy lips. Yeah. And dude, to be honest, hold on because those fish are all muscle. And they do I was not about to give, say, like, how, how, how do you even get that on a fly? Like, I instantly think you're gonna get spooled right away. Cause I mean, some of those things are I mean. When I it see people catching them, they're like, oh, it's a small one. It's like 15 to 20 pounds. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, it, it's just like anything else, dude. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you know. Okay, so say this. Like, you're going to go out fishing and be like, I know this big monster, this this five-pounder mm-hmm. holding in. The, this is his area. Mm-hmm. Are you going to go there with light tackle? Right. No. You're going to go there with probably some dank fucking some serious stack. 25-pound test line, mm-hmm. 30-pound line, 50-pound braid because the <laughs> diameter is smaller. Mm-hmm. You're going to use your heavy action or whatever, yep. and, and you're going to want to be able, just like any fish, it's all about head control, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be able to control that fish, not let that fish control you. So you're going to want to have the equipment knowing that you're going to have the upper hand on that fish. Same thing with carp. I know when I go for a carp, that carp is not going to be smaller than probably 10 to 15 pounds. Right. So I'm going to use my nine foot seven, my 10 foot seven weight. And I'm not even going to put a tapered leader. I'm going to go straight to the freaking 15 pound, 20 pound test. Mm-hmm. Cause when they're mudding, they don't care about the line. I'll right. You, that, you know, and it's going to be a shorter leader. Um, because then I know I have less options of it line rubbing or breaking or stretching out, you know, the line. Um, it, it, I'm just thinking the same way you're thinking of catching a big bass. Right. You know, I want to make sure I have all the right tools to be able to have the backbone of the rod. So I know it's going to be able to have awesome head control. So when that fish is running, I can turn it. I can do whatever I want with it and mm-hmm. play it. Because like I said, these carp. They don't give up easy, dude. You nah, know, yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, you ever see a grass carp? Out yeah, in Col- yeah out, in Colorado, out in Colorado, dude, I saw them over 100 pounds. Yeah, they're insane. You know what uh, I mean? So- those dudes over in England, like, that's like their primary thing. Like, there are not a lot of bass dudes out there in Europe, right? No. Like, it's kind of a thing starting to happen. They're carp fishermen. It's They made a goddamn video game about carp fishing. And I was like, what and, the fuck? And, dude. Cart fishing is their bread and butter, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, it, it's a really big sport. It's big competition. And they have amazing carp out there. From, yeah. From common carp to mirror carp. The to mirror grass ones, carp. yeah. And I do say, though, I've been noticing they've been, they do have a lot of pike out there. Yeah. Because they're, yeah. they're doing some serious piking out there. Um, I feel like the Norwegian states is what I see more. Not nor obviously not all mm-hmm. Norway, but a little bit of those northern ones. Like they're pegging a lot of those. And then like um yeah, England and stuff like that. Uh and then, a lot of big pike. 
Yeah, and then the process that they have for baiting, bro, they'll bait the night before, bro. It's so weird. Like, dude, they have these contraptions that they throw out there, and it opens up a little door, and the thing, and the food. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and they'll bait, and they'll know, okay, we're going to bait here for tomorrow, and they'll come back the next day, or they camp out or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's a serious process, and those dudes take it super seriously, dude. They I have, saw a they have camping magazines. video. Dude, they All about carp. All about carp. Dude, I saw a camping video. You're talking about the feeding, totally off topic. But these guys rolled up, and they were in, like, Siberia, right? And they were, mm-hmm. like, the center of Siberia. And this was not too long ago, so it was kind of warm there. And they used this baiting thing, and they were up in, like, a crater, this weird, like, hill. I, I don't know if you've ever been to Oregon, but there's no. uh, I, I do want to fish the Skeena out there. I, I think it's Mount Hood in Oregon comes up. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of uh, Mount St. Helens. So Mount St. in Washington comes mm-hmm. up, and then there's a lake on the inside of the crater where it blew. Okay. So these dudes were in an area like that and they, they baited all night. And then they, they sat there and drank a bunch of Russian beers and got all weird Russian. <laughs> and then the next day, dude, they were slamming sturgeon mm. night, like fish after fish catch That's after catch awesome. of like these giant sturgeon. And they just live in this one like weird crater. It's just insane how some of these fish that, I mean, sturgeon's kind of a big deal here, but not really. Like, it's kind yeah, of a, yeah. It's a maybe French up, community. Yeah, maybe up in like uh, Canada, you know. Uh, I mean, it's big in Washington and Oregon. There's a lot of dudes yeah. that do it up there because we've got those big ones up there. But but they have it down to a science, dude. Those people oh, yeah. out there, and 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 dude, there. I mean, that's where the Euro nymphing came from. Right. I mean, dude, they have you know they have, and you would think that the states here would have more just because we have so much bass competitions mm-hmm. and walleye competitions. Dude, out there is is literally the home of the the Euro nymphing, and that's where it came all came from, all because it was competition, right? And um, basically, the rules are is is like barbless hooks, mm-hmm. and you can't put any added weight onto your line. So that's where they came up with tungsten uh, okay. hooks and cu- tungsten beads, and that's what they would use. Uh, they call it their. Uh, so you have basically like your lead fly or, or uh, they call it their anchor. Mm-hmm. So that was the first one that goes, that punctures through the fast water, gets mm-hmm. you down real quick. And what Euronymphing does, it helps you get a slower drift in faster water and it keeps you in the strike zone a lot longer. And that seems like you, it makes sense. That's you, not a big thing here. Or? It, it, it is. Um, okay. Now, and I would probably say the past. I'm not a Euro nymphor. I'm a tight liner. I basically mm-hmm. don't use their cider. Uh, I just basically use my 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 tippet, mm-hmm. and I go by feel. Um, these guys have different colored line where mm-hmm. they're like, okay, I'm in the green area. If this thing moves and goes below the green into the pink, boom, that's a hit, and they just set the hook. Oh wow! And and, and 90% of the time, it's a fish. That's insane. Um, so. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Uh, but I basically used the same technique all my life, tight lining using mm-hmm. uh, you know flies on a tag end, a heavier fly. But it's also like drop shotting too for bass fishing. You know what I mean? I never yeah. used a Ned rig until I went out with Cody. Yo, I'll tell you right now, dude, that dude Cody's smart as shit, bro. Yes, his, his is. knowledge is no joke. And dude, and he, he was so bashful. Um, you guys, at like he was so. Before I did the interview with him, he was almost kind of nervous. Sorry, Cody, for letting it out. He's like, "Oh man, I'm gonna seem, I'm gonna seem presumptuous. 
I, uh, I, I, you know, people are going to think, I'm like, no, dude, like we're here. Just like drop some of this knowledge. Cause the dude, you can tell he thinks about it on another level. Like he, he's, he's yeah. thinking about it on a very almost, you know what, for, he thinks about it on a fly fisherman's level, but for bass, like yeah. he is breaking things down of what looks the most natural, but not only most natural, but why? And then to have that right gear too, because he's super specific about his gear. So oh, he's got he to have that right gear. gear. Dude, he knows exactly. his rods. He knows his reels. He knows yeah. uh, from the line that he has on it. He knows what rod is for what bait, what top water, what finesse, what, you know, he was telling me the other day, he's like, dude, I just got this reel. He goes, you see how shallow the spool is? I said, yeah. He goes, that's finesse style. Because yeah, it's you're like not, JDM. He goes, you're not throwing out tons of line. Mm-hmm. You are up close and personal in where you're fishing and you're finessing in a short distance. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy shit, dude, that totally makes sense. It makes sense, right? And if you've seen the live video that he just posted, and it was kind of funny, this dude is reading water. And he knows the structure by reading the top of the water. Right. So he told his roommate, he's like, yo, he's like, JC, he goes, when you, uh, DC, uh, Derek, he was like, when shout you Shout out to Derek. It, shout out yeah. to the original Swamp Rat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes, he goes, see where the waves, and then he goes, see the waves on the top, and then he goes, you see that smooth? That smooth right there is underwater. There's a flat shelf. And the water that it's basically giving you the outline mm-hmm. of what's underneath, bro. Just think of that. How many people right. do you know think of that? Right. No, think he's, of that. he's got something extra. I, I want to see him. I, I'm stoked that you're coming back down. I want to see you bring him up. I want to see you bring him up to Connecticut, get him on those, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. those trout streams. See, uh, because I'm sure it'll work. His, uh, his crazy fucked up brain of his will work perfectly. And that's no offense, Cody. I love you, dude. Like, <laughs> but you're a fucking ma- a maniac. Um, but I mean, my favorite thing to do is, is, is to read water. So mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, right? I tell them, I said, listen, <clears throat> when I go out fishing, if, or if I ever took you out fishing with me, it's not about me. All right. I caught plenty of big fish in my right. life. My happiness is to see you knowing that you had a great trip. Mm-hmm out fishing with me on the rivers lakes or wherever so i will do everything i can to put my knowledge to feed you knowledge to have you learn the the why when and where to to basically have that memorable journey from the time we got into the car or or Mm -hmm. or got everything ready the night before and i will go over steps with you and and cody does the same thing it's kind of funny because i think me and cody get along is because i see a lot of myself in the him because He'll be like, hey, what do you see? Before I even throw, and I say that to the same to the same people. What do you see? Where do you want to throw? Why would you throw it there? This, you know, basically mm-hmm. we'll go through these questions to see what people know and to also help them to know why. Right. Why we do what we do. And to read water is like my favorite because if I can read the water and I get you on the fish, I knew everything that I've learned throughout the years came together in that one moment. Yeah, and knowing that the fish was there, it was going to eat. It would take it, it. That's what I get my enjoyment out of, and that's what Cody does the same thing. I, I think I, I think all of us do, right? Like if you, um, so Miley personally, so a buddy of mine, he came out to River X, right? And he's okay. the guy that got me into bass fishing. I didn't get into bass fishing until 2016. He got me into it. He brought me to this tidal river, and we smashed some of the feistiest, biggest bass I've ever caught in my life, right? 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's also in the Coast Guard, so he transferred away. And this is like his home water. Okay. But he's been gone for three years. I haven't seen him in three years. So he shows up, and uh, it was really cool to bring him out. I, I, I didn't have the rod a lot in my hand because yep. the river has changed because it's tidal, so everything kind of shifts year to year. It's all Every year it's kind of a brand new thing. Like you have your same kind of oh, like yeah. your, oh, your yeah. bedrock, but the little nuances will change, right? Yep. But I got to show him like, hey, man cast here like this break is now here in the sandbar and yep. boom he's picking up fish picking up fish picking up and it was it was cool to be able to share um even with somebody who fishes before share the waters that we fish yep. share the way that we fish with them and then to see the results of them having that happiness of hooking up yep and 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 to see what you learned by when he was gone and mm-hmm. the more knowledge you have on the river when he was yeah. gone, and then to pass it on to him, where he's like, "Oh, I'm going to do this," and you're going to be like, "Yo, bro, sorry, but that's not going to work." The, ri- <laughs> the, the river changed, and it and, changes. And and I tell people all the time, there is never one time you will step into the river and it will be the exact same. It always right. changes. Yep. It always changes. So especially in tidal water. Yeah. Okay. Now. The system, the river system that Cody fishes, and I'll tell you right now, is not the faint for beginners, right? At all, because uh, what the what what you have going on beneath the surface is a whole clusterfuck, bro. Mm-hmm. Between what those beavers have done and what is down there, so you asked me the question like, how long have I, you know, have I been jigging? And bro, believe it or not, I could have jigged for twenty years when I got there. <laughs> Throw that away. Throw it away. Yeah. Throw it away because uh, when you're jigging, when I was a kid, I used to jig these rattle jigs. It's mm-hmm. it, it's basically same thing. Football shaped head. It had a weed skirt on it, uh, a, a weed guard, a skirt, but it had those three cylinder rattles in it. Right? right. Yeah. And then I did what they called the jigging pig. So I would get the almost looks like a frog yep, out of the pork chunk know, on the yeah, back. Pork chunk on the back, and I would jig that, but. When you hear the word jigging, you think it's ripping it up and letting it jig. You're jigging it, right? Well, we didn't do that. It was dragging. Right. Yeah, you guys were football doing it, right? Like, you guys were working that real part of the action. It was casting out. We're drifting down the river. And as we're drifting, my, 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 my jig is on the bottom, and I'm feeling every stick. Every stick, and and I would I'd hit a stick, I'd feel I was a little hung up. I give a little, make it up and over, jig it a little bit. And dude, these fish were sometimes so aggressive, bro. I would see my line go up, and then all of a sudden I see go to the side. Yeah, yeah, man. Bam. Yeah, man. Um, and I know you guys hook set into trout, right? But you, you, dude, you. Come on, you gotta admit, hook setting into a bass is way like when you reel down and just cross their eyes and put that stick to them, like, like you're not doing that bro, to a trout, like, bro. So I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> I'm, I'm a savage fly fisherman, bro. Yeah. So, um, I crank, I crank. Uh, all the also depends if I'm doing a dry fly to a nymph or a streamer. Mm-hmm. A streamer, I do a, uh, uh, I do a rod, rod uh, line set. Okay. So I set the hook. So as I'm stripping and I feel yep. it, because my rod is pointing towards my bait okay. as I'm stripping. It's not to the side. Right. You know, it's not to a side and I'm stripping and then it bends. I'm literally pointing it at the fish. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I feel it, as I'm cranking it to right. uh, parallel with the water, a sweep set, I'm also line setting and pulling the line gotcha. as hard as I can. So yeah. now 
I'm doing a rod set and a strip set all at one time. Yeah, I love it. Um, now, if, if it's a dry fly, it's basically, uh, I say it's like, uh, I tell people when I'm teaching them, it's like uh, raising your hand in class. You're down and you're like, hello, I want to ask a yeah, question. Right. And, it, and it's, it's pick up the phone, hang up the phone, mm-hmm. pick up the phone. And you're not doing it aggressively. You're doing it with a slow, constant motion. Yeah. Well, it's a small um, enough hook. You don't need a lot of force yeah, to yeah. get that to actually penetrate. Also depends on the tippet size, right. your, your your fly size. And then there's nymphing. So when I'm nymphing, fish face up river, mm-hmm. I want to do a 45 to almost parallel down river hook set because I want to get it in the corner of its mouth. So when you do a dry fly set, you usually get it in the top of its beak mm-hmm. because you're raising it up. Right. Okay. A downstream set is usually as they eat it, you're pulling it towards the corner. Mm-hmm. And then a strip set, God, that thing can be anywhere in its in its in, in its fucking face, you know. It's what I just mean? in his face. Yeah, yeah. The only thing you know, it's somewhere in the vicinity of his fucking face. You know? But um yeah, so so it's it's three different uh three different techniques, you know, but uh you know it I, as you start, bro, you're doing anything. And believe me, I'm just like yeah. anybody else, dude. I get so excited, dude. I miss wow, a lot right. of fish because I, I did the wrong thing. But in my head, I go, damn, I fucked up. I should have did. I, why did yeah. I do a freaking downhill, uh, a downriver freaking hook set, you know? Or mm-hmm. why did I Why did I raise up too fast? Or, uh, you know, I pulled the, I, I, I know I pulled it right out of its mouth or, you know, just shit like that, dude. Yeah, but what you're thinking, I think, is 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 important because that that gets the steps of when there's people who are like, oh yeah, I fish, I fish. Oh yeah, what like like what do you fish? Oh, I go like once a year. We go to this little pond. We throw out whatever. And then there's like anglers who yeah. this is what we do. This is like our main hobby. This is yeah all encompassing. Honestly, I've come to find out that my friends that don't fish think I'm boring because this is all I do. I make yeah. content about fishing or I'm fishing or I'm thinking about fishing or I'm rigging for fishing. That's really it. Like it is, it is it's a very all encompassing, almost addicting um, kind of culture to get into. Bro, you know how many people didn't even think I had a job? <laughs> hey. You know, oh, you thought I didn't have a- I didn't think you had a job either. When you posted that thing today, I was like, damn, that motherfucker works. <laughs> and that's why I was like, hey, for all you people who don't think I have a job, yes, I do have a job. <laughs> all right, brother. Let's uh let's move into some rapid fire before we okay. get into there. I uh I'm not trying to cut you off. I, I'm gonna tell you this right now. We're gonna have you back on. I still have a slew of questions. I try to keep them around an hour. Okay. Uh, this isn't yeah, yeah, Jigs yeah, and yeah. Biggs, the uh you know, the nine hour long podcast that is Jigs and Biggs now. <laughs> yeah, uh, just yeah. fucking with you guys. I love you, Bobby, Sean. Um, <laughs> but before we go any further on Rapid Fire, make sure you guys follow him. He's at big underscore nasty 186 on Instagram. Um, are you anywhere else? Or are you primarily uh, Instagram? Just, you know, uh, pretty much all my content when I, when, I, when I post it goes right to my Facebook, which is Jeffrey Holloway on, on Facebook, you know. And that's another one there. And, and again, and I'd like, I want to get you on to talk because we didn't even get to your photography, oh, which is utterly amazing. Any, so we're going to have to do this again. So. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I hope you, I hope you have me on again. Absolutely, brother. All right. You ready? Rapid fire. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Crocs versus sandals. Crocs. 
are you are you in off road mode or are you in uh, chill mode? Uh, I'm chill. So I'm you know if I lose a crock because I'm in chill mode, it is what it is, <laughs> and, and I'll one crock it for the rest of the day if I got it. <laughs> Solo crock. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite fishing snack when you're out on the water? Uh, beef jerky. Uh, teriyaki or original? Original. Original. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this one's going to work for you. Cover or structure? Um, structure. Okay. I was about to say, as a trout fisherman, definitely more structure. Right? Yeah. It's more structure. But even even when I'm uh, bass fishing or, or I'm on a lake, dude, I, I, mm-hmm. I like to try to find those drop off points. Mm-hmm. And then I try to like to find a lot of rock structure when they right before it goes rocks in the mud. It's a flat, you know, a flat bottom. Gotcha. Would you, <laughs> we're going to change this one for you. Would you rather catch two stocked rainbow trout or just snag all day? Oh, boy. Yes. Dude, I'll catch two <laughs> rainbow trout because I'm not. They're stocked, uh, though. They're dirty, power well, bait stocked rainbow uh, trout. Well, I mean, what do you mean as it's, sta- as it's being snagged up on the bottom, snagged up on trees? Right. Up? Yeah. All right. So I'd rather be snagged because I know I'm trying, because I'm trying to. Catch a real to, fish. To catch a real fish, but also, <laughs> if you don't snag, it means you're not trying to get into spots that you, that you normally get. So you're gonna like learn. That. You're gonna learn from it. You know. I like that. I'm and gonna keep know, that. I like that, you, dude. You took that like uh, off the cuff bullshit question. You mm-hmm. took it another level. I like it. But hey, you know the big boys are in that snaggy structure. Exactly. You know? <laughs> if you're not losing gear, you're in the wrong. But you know what I mean. You're Absolutely. Not doing it right. Absolutely. If you saw my fly box on how much shit I got, believe me, I can get snagged a thousand times, dude, every hour, <laughs> and not even put a dent in my fly box selection. That's why we buy all this. Yeah. Yeah. We're crazy. Uh, Wild Bill or Andrew? Well, I don't know. I think Andrew's my boss, so... Uh, and, what, Andrew's your boss? Well, well I mean, he is a well, rich, rich man. I, I, I say because, you know, being on Hooks at Hoodlums, I'm like, you know, uh, Wild Bill doesn't act like a boss, but Andrew has more of that quiet, <laughs> like, I think Andrew would be like the guy to say, yeah, you need to come into my office, we gotta have a talk, you know? You know, <laughs> you know what, total side note, I, I, I was thinking about this today, right? I was dropping my kids off, I'm sorry, picking them up, and I'm waiting. I got like 10 minutes, and I'm waiting. And for some reason, it popped in my head, and I'm like, the trio, like, what do they actually do at Hook Set, right? Yeah. So what I've come up with is Ken has all the money, slash he's not a real person. He's just a bank. (laughs) He's just a bank teller at Bank of America. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love it. Andrew, uh, I think he handles all the logistics. But he's also like somewhat in charge, but really he had to start this business because his dad said he couldn't get his inheritance unless he started his own business. Dude, dude, that's funny. Like, yeah, show us that you're worth something. (laughs) Yep. And then uh, Wild Bill, um, I think they found him at a truck stop where he was a lot lizard and uh, they needed him to get to work. And when they said hook set hoodlums, he thought it was totally something different. Like hooker? Hooker? Exactly. He thought it was hooker hoodlums, that it was going to be a whole brand for hookers and hoodies. So um, I think that's how the dynamic works with that. So I want to say, I think that Andrew was the money for, you know, I think if anything, he would be that silent 
you know, hey, all right, guys, listen, we only could put out 15 more percent of this cash. <laughs> you know, that's what it seems like in my eyes. And then you have Kenny, who could be a mythical figure. I think because, he might be. Um, but I think he is more on the editing and because the only time you really see Kenny is when he edits his face onto something uh, for okay. their little commercials and promos. Right. But then you got Wild Bill. They said, listen, we need somebody who's loud, proud and acts Check. like a jackass Check. and doesn't Check. care. Check. So that's where Wild Bill comes into it. You know, I, I totally agree. It's such a weird dynamic. Um, and again, the two owners are great. I'm I'm going on record right now. Ken's a fake fucking person. He's not real. He's just yo, a figment. Yo, we got to get a mannequin, right? <laughs> or or we got to get, you know what we got to do? We got to get a cardboard cutout of Ken. So wherever we go, be like, hey, Kenny's with us today. <laughs> and just Dude, plop him in totally the off script. And this is not getting edited out. I'm going to figure out how to get a picture of him right there on the wall. Absolutely. I want, I want Absolutely. Ken looking over me on every podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that'd be awesome, dude. Be All right, awesome. man. And if Bass and Brews is known for uh, two things, one is drinking beers and being ridiculous, but two is the most hard-hitting question in fishing journalism. Okay, <laughs> okay. What are your three favorite sandwich proteins? Three sam- favorite sandwich proteins. Okay. One, I'm big into roast beef. Roast beef, roast I love it. Roast beef is bloody as it could be <laughs> all right um i am also big on <laughs> just because it's it's something my dad always ate and i like it on mustard is liverwurst <laughs> that's a first all right all right that's a uh, first liverwurst and i don't even know if it's a sandwich but i know you know it but i still don't know what it's in it is scrapple <laughs> I mean, okay, so Scrapple is just... I, uh, I don't know. Is that even a sandwich? Like, because I know you can have... It's it not a sandwich, sandwich protein, but I, I in South Jersey, you, you can get it as a breakfast sandwich, so I'll count okay. it. Like, you can get Scrapple between, like, a bagel yeah, with yeah. a bunch of syrup, but all it is is pig and... Um, lips and uh, assholes? Yeah, exactly. Pig and cow lips and assholes. That's it. Yeah, maybe even a little hoof. Uh, probably it's all mashed by a um, a very polite, nice Amish girl named Greta. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's how Scrapple's made. Oh, my God. Hey, well, brother, okay. thank you so much for coming on. Yes. No, um, thank, thank you very much, man. I really appreciate you having me on, and I'm looking forward. Hopefully, we can get back on again. Dude, we got to do another and, uh, one. So make sure it. you guys follow him. It's big underscore nasty 186. Make sure you head over to hooksethoodlums.com. Get your sweet merch there. Brother, thank you so much. We're definitely going to have to set up another one. Yeah, and remember, I'm fishing with Lockwood at the end of the month, so I'm going to have some pretty good stories. I can't wait. Have some pretty you good know what? We should, do, we should do a twosome or a threesome. Ooh. A threesome. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> a menage a You know what? We, we should do a threesome. When you get done with that, we should, the three of us sit down. That would be, we should dude, break that down. That would be hilarious. That'd I love it, hilarious. man. Hey, I appreciate everything again, bro. And uh, you have a good one. And congratulations on your great podcast, man. I love it. Later, brother. Thank you very much. You guys have a good night. All right. Be good.